want to intro us? Yeah, my clap was just like really embarrassing. Like, you know, when you high five somebody and you like miss <laughs> and you get each other's hand heels. It was like I did that, but I did it to myself. <laughs> it was like I'm embarrassed now. Like I have, I'm alone in my house and I'm embarrassed. <laughs> That was so bad. You're embarrassed at your own oh my forehand gosh. claps. Yeah, that was really bad. That was that was really embarrassing. You know what? It's a, I'm not here to judge you. I know. You never have been. Good. You judge everybody else, but not me. Literally everybody that. else. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to Midwretched, friends. Welcome back to Midwretched. We're glad that you're here and we're glad that we're here. Oh, I realize yes. I say that every time and it's I'm not thinking about it. I just it just comes so innately because you really yeah, are it does. happy. Yeah, I really am. Like, yeah, I really am authentically. So. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, sometimes. I mean, sometimes life is hard. Sometimes life is hard. Yeah. Sometimes jobs are hard. Sometimes life is hard. Yes. Sometimes dogs are hard. Yes. Sometimes toddlers are hard. Sometimes Wednesday, we waited all day for the Derek Chauvin verdict. And that day was hard just because it was like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Mm-hmm. You know? So just a lot, a lot these days. Yeah. I have a beagle going through a wicked behavioral regression and, you know, might trial some puppy Prozac. We're going to find out how he deals. Yeah. But. He may do beautifully on some puppy Prozac. We're just going to hope that that's the case. Beagle bays are just like basically the saddest thing in the entire world. And Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 That's depressing. Mm -hmm. It is. That's hard. Uh, uh, But you look good. Look at you. Thank you. I got my hair did. Yeah. Um, Love it. Thank you. I got mine done too, but you can't see it. But Aww. it is now sunset colors. That's cute. Here, I'll send you a picture. <laughs> oh my god, it's so cute! I hate it. it. I am obsessed. I am so jealous. Oh, I am obsessed. Oh. I'm obsessed with my hair, and I'm obsessed with my hairdresser, who is the best person and one of our most. He's one of our most loyal listeners. Aw, so. hi, friend. Yeah, he's the best. He's the best. And he's a genius. Yes, so he is a genius. Amazing. I'm so jealous. Nah. We all want what we don't have. You know, like for a second when he was working on me, he he uh, blow dried me like a little bit straight just to get it to dry faster. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, this is what I haven't straightened my hair since I was you for Halloween. In <laughs> I was about to ask if you remember that. <laughs> Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> So that was the last time I saw myself with straight hair. It was 2007. So, so that was fun. Good days. Good yeah, days. good days. I good loved going days. as each other for Halloween. That was the best. It was really fun. It was really <laughs> fun. And back then, our differences were so stark. And we just made fun of ourselves all the time. And it was so great. How is that different from now? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I feel like my style has toned down a bit since college. Okay. You're less hippie. You're you peasant too. skirts. Yeah. Still a lot of color. And you don't wear, like, orange plaid anymore. I wish I which did. Which is unfortunate. I know yeah. the jacket you're referring to, and I still wish I had that. It is the ugliest and best jacket simultaneously that's ever existed. It was the best. I have been drawing on your vibes lately. Mm. I got my garden in. 
Yeah. Well, I got my garden beds in. It snowed this week. So of course it did. Yeah. So there, just, there's no like, plants in. Yeah. But I got my garden beds in and I started to compost. So I'm basically a homesteader. That's amazing. I'm so excited. <laughs> and I get to move into my new home. Yay. A week from the release of this episode. Oh my so, God. You know what? This is perfect. Speaking of the 1870s and homesteaders. <gasps> yes. Do you know where we're going today? We are going to Kansas, right? Yes. Okay, tell me everything. So we've been hitting it super hard the last few weeks, very like a Mm -hmm. cerebral, a lot of heartstrings being tugged at, a lot of thoughts, a lot of opinions, and we just don't want to do that this week. Yep, this is a romp. So we're taking a break, which means we're diving into a good old-fashioned old-timey. Yeah. And of course, as with many of our old timies, there's so much conjecture and myth surrounding Mm -hmm. these people that we're going to be talking about. And I didn't crazy deep dive into dispelling those because I was like, we're doing a romp. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I feel that. I like it. So we are traveling the furthest back as we ever have. Pop into your Oregon trail wagons. Or should I say your Mm -hmm. Osage trail wagons. Mm. We are diving back to 1871 and traveling the Osage trail through Kansas. Cool. So we're going to be on the southwestern Kansas, just kind of on the other side of Oklahoma. So we are barely Midwestern anymore. Wow. Okay. Living on the edge. We are living on the edge. We are wanted dead or alive. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I just choked on my fizzy water. So, <laughs> You know how we love our scene setting. So we're going to talk a little bit about Kansas in the 1870s. Yes. Makes me so happy. In my heart, I'm a history major. This is true. So This is true. Take me there. We are dropping ourselves off in just after the Civil War. Not too long after the Native American Osage tribes were vacated, in scare quotes. Mm from their lands so that their land could be made available to homesteaders and the new Gross. western front of america Ugh. aka genocide, AKA genocide basically yeah. anyway Ugh. it was originally intended to be a railroad mm-hmm. but of course those plans got deterred once uh war were declared yes so i learned a little bit about this and this is interesting i know nothing about this period of history okay so in high school they like switched up our uh our history curriculum. curriculum. So I just completely mm-hmm. skipped over this period of history in high school. Oh, weird. Yeah. So I got double dose <laughs> of modern American history. So interesting. Ask me about the Kennedys. Do it. Anytime. 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 <laughs> we'll take you right to Camelot. Right to Camelot. So I learned in researching this. So the establishment of Nebraska and Kansas. Basically, the U.S. government, when they declared these two states existed, uh, (laughs) said that the states could decide whether or not they would have slavery. Mm -hmm. And so both the northern and southern states would just start frantically sending people to the new Nebraska and Kansas areas, just like trying to establish people. Yeah, to like flood the ballot box, basically. Yeah, basically. And, well, quote, free staters largely from Iowa and Ohio, welcomed Kansas into their big Midwestern arms. They taught them all about casseroles and puppy chow. 
Mm-hmm. And Kansas was like, we want to be part of this northern Midwestern area. Yeah, bring on the hot dish, yeah, man. bring on the hot dish. And so long story short, uh, the anti-slavery side won, and Kansas officially fought on the side of the Union. Good. So y'all can take down your Confederate flags. You look ridiculous. Good job, Kansas. Good job, Kansas. You made the right <laughs> choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, the Southerners at the Kansas-Missouri border were still led to a lot of fighting and all kinds of craziness. And that's where we would kind of develop some fun historical figures like Wyatt Earp and Wild Bill and mm. Doc Holliday. And as they traveled their way westward. So cool. So cool. So Kansas, yeah. you didn't even know how cool you were, did you? Yeah, Kansas is super cool. I think Kansas is cool. We haven't been to Kansas on this podcast in a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah. So this brings us to our lovely homesteaders, as Mm -hmm. I was talking about. So like I said, all of the people from the East were kind of just sending roves and roves of people to homestead and to establish territory for the U.S. out in the Kansas area. And with them brought the Bender family. Mm -hmm. The Benders arrived in Kansas in a little area near Labette County. Which, like I said, is in that little southwestern corner right near Oklahoma and Missouri, right along the Mm. Osage Trail. This corner of the trail was important, generally, because it was one of the few well-traveled and kind of well-mapped trails out westward. It was also along what we now know of as the Trail of Tears. Yeah. Which led into Oklahoma and Texas, where many, many tribes were forced off their land, to settle for families such as the Benders to make America great. (laughs) well said (laughs) in october of 1870 two of the four benders that we will come to meet traveled to kansas they came along with four other families and all of them together identified themselves as spiritualists and they Mm. were taking the spiritualist movement out west Mm. which would take quite a hold out west let me tell you yeah, totally. Old Westy spiritualists are kind of cool. <laughs> and I mean, still is like a kind of a huge part of West Coast culture yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. And that, we will get to talk about that fun spiritualist movement today. Oh, good. Yay. Um, like I said, became pretty popular. It wasn't at the time so much like a religion or anything. Like these people still tended to identify with the traditional Christian religions but more of just Mm -hmm. a belief in the supernatural, a desire to contact spirits and interact with them. Many sought out to be or believed that they were mediums. And the pictures of people with ectoplasm are literally my favorite things in the entire world. I want to find them and get them framed. I love it. Me too. I love them so much. Yeah. So while some of them were very authentic, many were also scam artists. Mm Mm-hmm. And others believed many of them to be devil worshippers and witches and all of that. Most of the spiritualists were harmless. If anything, just a little eccentric that they thought it would be cool to talk to ghosts. And I think it would be cool, too. I just... Yeah, I've never met a ghost, so I don't know. That's my cat's name. You met Ghost the first, the ghost that he's named after. I've met your cat. I've met Ghost the second, too. Yeah, you have. So you have met a ghost. Just not any, you know, ectoplasmic ghosts. Mm, You're missing out. I'm trying. No, you're not. Okay, I will go ghost hunting with you. Yeah. And I will try to meet a ghost. Cool. All right, I'm into it. 
All right. So the two benders that came to Labette County were John Sr. and John Jr. Now, for mm. history's sake and for our sake, he went by Pa Bender. So got Pa, pa and John. Got it. Okay. Or so we are told. But that's for later. The two come to Kansas and they quickly purchase large plats of land along the Osage Trail. And this was incredibly cheap at the time. Like the whole point was to get people living and farming on these lands. And you would literally Mm. buy it for pennies. Yeah. Now the Osage Trail, like I said, connected those southern trails into Texas and out west of Fort Scott, which was a pretty well-established military post. And at the time, Mm -hmm. military posts were the closest things that you had to a big city out there. So basically, they plopped down and bought a piece of land on the proverbial I-75. So it's like planting your homestead along a highway. Got it. Okay, cool. They homesteaded on the highway. They're highway homesteaders. Pa Bender purchased a 160-acre plat of land. Um, John, it's huge. It's huge, but again, nobody lives there anymore since, you know, white people. Um, And John Jr. bought a smaller, thinner strip of land, although he apparently would never develop or actually live on his plot of land, which technically Mm -hmm. violates the lease because you you could only get the land if you were planning on growing on it. So, Oh, that's interesting. At least that's what I read. I don't know. So Pa and John would quickly construct a cabin on Pa's land and divide it into a couple of different parts. Now, I'm going to say everything that they included in this, and you're going to be like, that's a huge cabin. It was not. It was quite small. Mm, That's interesting. They carved out in their cabin a living area for themselves in the back, a grocery store up front, and a small inn where they could offer travelers a place to stay and a place to dine. Wow. Again, it sounds very big. Each of these rooms was probably less than 10 foot by 10 foot. It was quite small. Yeah, that's interesting. Each of the rooms were also divided by just simple canvas cloths. Again, Mm. Oregon Trail Times, guys. Yeah, for sure. So after they got the cabin up and going in 1871, the Lady Benders would come to join them. Mm. Elvira or Ma Bender and her daughter Mm. Kate would join Pa and John. And once they got on the land, they got pretty busy creating a large vegetable garden and a fruit orchard on their land. Oh, well, that's idyllic. Right? Sounds so idyllic. So let's get to know the Bender family. This idyllic, yes, please. lovely, western pioneer family. Yes. Manifest destining all over the place. They're basically the Ingalls, basically. Totes. So to be honest, we don't know much about their background. Mm. Records in general at this time were very unclear and very yeah. easy to fake. So mm. everything I'm going to say, we're just going to take with a little grain of salt, a grain of historical salt. Sure. Mm-hmm. John Sr. was reportedly about 60 years old. He was about six feet tall, described as having piercing black eyes and big bushy eyebrows. Oh, intense. So basically, you're kind of man. He was described as having a ruddy <laughs> okay. face with a heavy beard and a swollen cheeks. A wild and woolly looking man. 
Mm. He was also apparently called Old Beetle Browed John. Ew. <laughs> That's weird. I retract my daddy. <laughs> no. Keep it. Dang it. He was described to speak in what seemed like a German accent or maybe Netherlands or maybe Swedish. Um, Because more importantly, when he spoke, it was so guttural that it was just unintelligible. That's so interesting. And then there was Elvira or Mobender, apparently Mm. about 55 now, she was described both as raw-boned and as heavy-set. And I don't know how to set those two together. What is raw-boned? I don't know. Mean? Like, in in my head, it meant, like, you know, kind of, like, skinny and bony. I don't know. She was raw-boned and heavy-set. Well, I think you can be both bony and chubby. I mean, I'm both bony and chubby. Hmm. So maybe I'm raw Are boned. You raw I'm not raw boned. I mean, I'm like I'm bony, but I'm flabby. <laughs> but like my bones are prominent. Like even in my heaviest days, my bones have always been pretty prominent. So maybe that's just maybe she looked like me. Okay, maybe you and Ma just have prominent bones. Yeah, maybe she was also reported to have a very heavy accent that made her speech basically impossible to understand. I wonder where they were from. Nobody's been able to quite figure that out. Like, there aren't great immigration records. And, you know, we'll find out that maybe these just aren't the most honest people in the world. That's true. Maybe. Um, Ma was described as, quote, so unfriendly and had such sinister eyes that her neighbors called her a she-devil. We're starting to sound a little bit lore-ish here. <laughs> she was a she-devil, okay? Okay, 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 okay. I retract and my statement. And a medium. She was a medium she-devil. Not like okay. a large she-devil, but like a, yeah. <laughs> a medium rub-owned she-devil. she-devil. Rad. I aspire to that, and I want it on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> this is also probably something that you do or will do as you get older, boil herbs and roots. Um, as healing potions. Yeah, I do that. Yeah. How are you not an yeah, Eastern? How are you not a babushka? Uh, well, the problem is I'm only 32. <laughs> you gotta give me some time. <laughs> I promise I will babushka. Uh, okay. Anyway, reports said that men were afraid of her, even the men within the family, which I like. She sounds a little bit Belgunnessy. Maybe she was Belgunness. Who knows? Maybe timelines don't line timelines up timelines do not listen this is we don't need timelines um yeah. so then we get to john jr who is also okay. a little bit of a mystery man because we have very mm. differing accounts of him now he spoke more fluently than the others he had definitely a clear german accent he was described as about 25 handsome auburn hair mustachioed cute cute i was also prone to laughing aimlessly I like that descriptor. Some say that this laughing was because he was a, quote, half-wit. Other people said that it was just a clever disguise of his cunning. So, Mm. you know, we're just getting deeper and deeper into mystery territory and lore territory. Yeah. Um, 
But we might come to find out, I don't know, he's not quite the person he presents himself to be. Who knew? Mm. Yeah. Now, Kate is the real charmer of our story here. All Kate right, is described to be about 23 at the time of our story. Friendly, chatty, a great speaker, a slight accent, and a clear flirt. Mm. Saucy. Saucy. Now, she was reportedly the most accepted of the family within the community and the most kind of like social and involved. She was really quick to chat you up, invite you over for food. She attended Sunday school and kind of made her presence known within the community. She also heavily advertised her skills as a medium, a healer, and a psychic. Gotcha. You can kind of search and find old pamphlets where she would advertise her services as Professor Miss Kate Bender. Ooh, I like that. She yeah. would give service, give sermons where she advocated not only for spiritually seeking guidance, but also for free love and nudity. So, hey. like, let's talk to some ghosts and hang out naked, which like I'm all it. about. Yeah, I like it. Most stories will tell you that Kate and John Jr. were siblings, but it's mm-hmm. also believed that they were possibly lovers or husband oh. and wife. While also being siblings? That's the question here because Kate uh, might have preached for pro-incest. Oh. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. So okay. anyway, basically, I kind of imagine them as the Firefly family from the Devil's Rejects. Yeah, totally. So these lovely folks move into this little cabin that they built about 100 yards off the main drag of the Osage Trail. They open an inn and a grocery store in their cabin. And now apparently, and this will come back later, as they're kind of trying to build this little grocery store... Pa Bender tries to write a sign that says groceries to advertise themselves, but spells it wrong. And and Kate has to tear down the sign, flip it over, write it correctly on the reverse side of it. And then she nailed that one up. Hmm. The family starts to shelter passing travelers, giving them supplies, food, you know, company. Kate was also believed to uh, possibly have been a sex worker. Who knows? I mean, they chose a really solid business model for that right? time. Like running a little general store along a trail like that. Oh, is, it's so solid. It's like man. a bed, a yeah. hot meal, a general yeah. store. I mean, you're creating like generational wealth with that yeah. kind of stuff. Well, oof, oof. There's rumors later. I won't go into them. But yeah, no, you're right. The trail out west was super treacherous. Mostly men would go by the trail initially. Some families would then kind of like later come out as it got more safe. Just in yeah. hopes of, you know, doing the same thing, building a home, a new future. Some people would travel with everything that they owned, like everything that they owned. Some people would mm. just travel with nothing more than a few coins in their pockets. But the benders offered passage and rest for each and every one of them. Mm-hmm. So the Benders did have a couple of neighbors out in Lebet County. There was a small schoolhouse, a few other travelers that had settled there. And like I said, those four other spiritualist mm-hmm. families that would travel with them, two of those four families would return east due to the difficult conditions. They just couldn't hack the Midwest, can I say? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's rough, rough. here. Um, but two of them would stay, and um, the Benders would actually stay relatively close with them. 
But the vendors, like I said, would have relationships in the community, especially Kate kind of just made her presence known everywhere. Mm. So they weren't crazy isolated, although Ma and Pa kind of pretty much were. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of along with all the traveling that was going on, disappearances and accidents and deaths were not unheard of during this time along the trail. Injuries, bandits, other mysterious disappearances, things happened. And so one missing person, two missing people, wouldn't have raised too many eyebrows. Yeah. But suddenly when just people after people start going missing, people do start kind of to ask questions, especially when the bodies start showing up in the creek. Oh, God. (laughs) So it started in May of 1871. The body of a man identified only in records as Mr. Jones. Mm. His body was found near in nearby Drum Creek. Poor Mr. Jones. His skull was crushed and his throat was slit. Oh, wow. Now, and again, while this kind of raised eyebrows, it's not like there was much of an investigation or much to investigate. Yeah, I mean, there's also, there's no, like, organized, I mean, there's an informal community, but we're not talking about, like, there's no police an system. organized yeah. metropolis. Yeah. yeah. There's no, there. I don't even think there's a sheriff or anything really well organized at this point. Mm-mm. No, I would doubt it. I'd be very surprised if there was. About nine months later, February 1872, two unidentified men were found out in a prairie. Also with their skulls crushed and their throats slit. Oh, no. Now you've got multiple missing people with dying in a very similar way. And that yeah. does start to raise suspicion. Yeah. I would also conjecture, and this is just like anecdotally from history classes and such, like there was often like way more like crime than you would think in those types of spaces. Like a lot of like highway robbery essentially like Mm -hmm. and then a lot of like vigilantism so i wonder if they kind of like initially like chalked it up a little bit to some of that kind of stuff yeah like i said a lot of it got kind of kind of tossed into like oh it was bandits you know there's like bandits on the trail it was Mm -hmm. at one point they start to blame oh like it's the native americans and that's why these people are going missing so there was just a lot of rumor and a lot of you know, gossip about what was going on here. Yeah. And again, like you said, it's not like there's a formal way to investigate all of this stuff at the mm-hmm. time. And then in the later in the winter of 1872, a man named George Newton Longcore was traveling with his infant daughter, Marianne. Aww. They left Independence, Kansas to settle out in Iowa. So they're actually going the other way. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And just happened to pass through the area. When they didn't arrive at their destination, the locals in Iowa kind of start talking because it seems like this was a pretty just generally well-known family and everybody was expecting them. And that's not like that long of a trek either. No, it's really not that terribly long of a trek. And I mean, we're talking about, okay, people go missing for a couple of weeks if they're arriving at their location a week or so later, that's not crazy. But then if more time goes on. Yeah, especially with an infant. Yeah. That's scary. 
So a former neighbor of Longcore's started to get kind of concerned about the father and the child. And he would eventually go looking for them. So he would jump on the trail to go looking for the family. Mm. That man's name was Dr. William Henry York. Nice name. I know. Nice name. Very nice family. A very well-known family in the area, apparently. They were like the Pritzkers of the, yeah. <laughs> of the Old West. Be, and I say that because, so he was very, he was a very well-known doctor in the area. He had two brothers. One was a colonel in the army, Colonel Alexander York. And the mm. other, Edmund York, was a lawyer and politician. Hmm. All of that to say, this was not the family to mess with if you're trying to get away with murder. Right. So George Longcore and his daughter go missing in 1872. By the spring of 1873, Dr. York jumps in his wagon and heads out to Kansas trying to find them. Mm. So he heads out along the Osage Trail, exploring and questioning all kind of this little small homesteading villages along the way. He comes upon this small group of spiritualists in Labette County. He enters the Bender's Grocery Store and in to inquire, hey, have you seen my missing friend George and his infant daughter? And, well, we know he made it into the inn and the grocery store. We don't know what happened after that. No way. Oh, I actually just got some chills. Like literal goosebumps. Yeah. (laughs) Because I thought that this was going to be like, oh, here's the turning point. Here's the, he's going to make a discovery. Oh, no, nobody's making discoveries just yet. Okay. We can only try to put together the pieces of what happened to Dr. York. Gotcha. So based on my research and what people have conjectured, here is what's most likely happened to Dr. William Henry York. Okay. Sometime in earlier mid-March of 1873, Mm -hmm. he enters the grocery store, was most likely quickly approached by Kate or John Jr., Dr. York began chatting them up, was quickly charmed into their good graces, reminded of how tiring his journey must have been, how weary he was from the trail. He was invited to rest for the night at the inn and offered a warm, hot, home-cooked meal. Mm. Now, perhaps, and according to his family, just based on his personality, maybe he tried to resist, maybe he tried to say, no, I need to get back on the trail, I need to look for my friend. Mm. But perhaps the idea of a hot meal was too tempting. Perhaps Kate flirted him up and charmed him. Maybe she even offered her spiritual powers to offer him the answers that he was looking for. Mm. All we know is that Dr. York agreed to stay for the night. Mm. So after settling in, Kate walks him over to the dining area. She sits him at a small table in front of a dirty stained canvas cloth that was separating the Bender's living area from the inn and the dining area. Ew. Yeah, I know. Gross. Kate chats him up while Ma prepares a hot meal. Pa and John Jr. work their way slowly behind this cloth, keeping out of the way. As Dr. York, weary from the road, settles in mesmerized by Kate's spiritual powers and her promises of answers to his questions... Pa emerges from behind the blood-stained curtain with a hammer. 
and attacks, hitting him bluntly in the skull. Ugh. The family all checks. Pa hits him a second time to make sure that he's unconscious. The family quickly rummages through his things to grab any cash or useful supplies that he might have had on hand. Wow. He's then dragged down into the cellar where his throat is slit to finish off the job that they started in the dining room. Do we know where we get this account from? Partially put together by their excavation of the cabin. Oh, wow. And there were a few survivors of this (gasps) family. Okay. Only after what we're going to talk about would they come forward to share with us what would happen. That Mm. Kate would offer to contact ghosts of their family for them or kate would flirt mm. with them kate would offer them sex i mean whatever works whatever it, it, well that was exactly what it was it was literally whatever works yeah that they would then be sat in front of this stained canvas curtain and reportedly according to survivors kate and john jr were very insistent that they sat in front of this canvas curtain Oh, so it would put them in, like, a specific spot. Mm-hmm. So yeah. much so that one man initially said, no, I'll just sit on the other side of the table here. And mm. Kate began to threaten him with a knife. Oh. Luckily, since he wasn't cornered, he was able to run out. Oh, my. He survived to tell his tale. And that's how we know the series of events of what would happen when you came to stay with the Benders. Gotcha. The information about the throat slitting will come to find out how we know about that later. Okay. Yes. Now, the benders would, it would seem, wait until late into the night, ensuring that nobody would around would see them, take the bodies out to the orchard, and bury them amongst the trees. Oh, that's eerie. Yeah. Like I said, Dr. York was not the person that you, <laughs> that you wanted to kill if you wanted things to go unnoticed. Yeah, totally. It was only a few weeks after he basically didn't come home. It was a few weeks. Nobody had heard from him. Nobody had gotten a letter. His brother, Colonel Alexander York, managed to put together a company of 50 men to march from Fort Scott into Labette County. I love it. Now, he didn't know exactly where he was going. He only knows this is the trail that my brother went down. So Mm -hmm. similar to what Dr. York did, he would stop along like every little homesteading town. So they questioned every traveler they came across, visited every military base, everything that they could. And it's as early as March 28th that Colonel York arrives at the Bender Inn, Mm. accompanied by a man named Mr. Johnson. Hmm. No first names. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? We don't need them. Yeah. Colonel York explained to uh, the Benders that his brother had gone missing and asked if they had seen him. Now, one of the family, and most likely John Jr. or Kate, because Dr. York could understand them, mm-hmm. told them that Dr. York had been there, actually. Hmm. Um, they said he had seen them. You know what? It was probably a gang of Native Americans that uh, mm. took off with him. That's probably what happened. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Colonel York says, you know what? That makes sense. Okay. I take it. Mm. Thanks them for their information. And they're like, hey, you want to stay for dinner? Oh, 
no, 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 no. They're getting greedy at this point. Yeah. But Colonel York stays for dinner that night without incident. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Hmm. However, so he would stay that night for dinner and then leave to go. Because remember, he has an entire company of men that he's traveling with. um, Right. And went back to them after dinner. He remained in the area, continuing to kind of do the local search for his brother and any potential leads. And this is why I don't mm-hmm. think that the Benders were actually that smart. Yeah. Because if they're like, oh, yeah, no, it was a local Native American gang. Obviously, then Colonel York's going to stay around and, like, look further. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And wait for that information. Now, while he is in town, York sees a woman fleeing from the inn. Hmm. I imagine this in my head as like that very kind of dramatic old West of like this woman's like running and squealing and he grabs her and shakes oh, her. Oh, yeah. With like a beautiful like peasant skirt yeah. just flowing behind oh, yeah. her. Totally. And just curls. And, and just like yeah. hysterical and he grabs her by the shoulders. Like, What's wrong with you, woman? <laughs> yeah. And totally what I picture. <laughs> and she says she was at the Bender's mm-hmm. Inn and that Elvira had threatened her with a knife. So Colonel York is like, I'm a big lawman. I'm going to go set this straight. Yeah. So Colonel York approaches the family to confront them about this. And Elvira becomes enraged. Now, I think she's just generally mm. quite enraged from, you know, yeah, medium she-devil. Right. <laughs> but the, so this woman accuses Elvira of being a witch who had cursed her coffee. Oh, oh, oh okay. Yeah, I don't know quite what's going on out here. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's one way to do it. But they weren't poisoners, which is odd, but okay. I mean, maybe mom was getting bored and just wanted to try something new. Yeah, I mean, who knows what they got up to. Yeah. So Ma, of course, denies this and orders everyone to leave her home immediately. Mm. Now, what's interesting is that, so apparently in doing this and in this rage, she uh, maybe let down the ruse a little bit that she was not understandable and that she didn't speak English. <gasps> really? Her English came out completely comprehensible and completely unaccented. No way. Yeah. So that was a sham. Was a sham. <laughs> they were literally faking <laughs> being like fresh immigrants. That's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Now, of course, everybody thinks, like, that's weird, but the Benders are also weird. So. Yeah. True. True. So Colonel York tries to leave, but Kate is like, oh, no, like, let's talk it out. Let's smooth things over. Mm. Let me, like, just charm your pants off. Right? Right. So she invites him for dinner again, and she says, well, come for dinner tonight, but come alone. Wink nudge. Mm. Yeah. And she says, and she says, I can use my powers to help you find your brother. So York accepts the invitation against the advice of his company men. They're all like, Mm. this is sus. Yeah. Don't do it. But he's like, no, I want to find my brother. So. Mm. And maybe he knew that they were the key, even if he didn't believe that it was like, Mm -hmm. that she was going to like, hold a seance and tell him where to find his brother like he was suspicious enough yeah to know that this is like the trail yeah now however shortly before dinner that night the town called a meeting Mm. the locals of the area were all gathered together at the local schoolhouse to finally discuss all of these local disappearances 
Mm. 75 local men, including York, John Jr., and John Sr., were all in attendance. Oh. At that meeting, the town officially agreed. They said, we will search every home between Hill Creek and Drum Creek where the bodies Mm. were found. Wow. So they just all, again, no search warrants at this time in this area, nothing. They're just like, nope, town agrees. Right, you just do what you're going to do. Yep. Yep. In a way, there's a beauty in that. In in a way, man. Yeah. Now, apparently, even John Jr. and John Sr. voted in favor of this. Because, like, what are you going to do? You're going to be the only people that don't? Right, you can't not. Yeah. Now, apparently, there was already some suspicion of the benders. And their neighbors, the Roaches. The Roaches were another Mm. part of this spiritualist clan. So whether or not the Roaches had anything to do with this, we will find out that they had some stolen property from some of these Mm. people that had gone missing. But who knows? That's interesting. Yeah. But they could have, like, I mean, maybe they were just in, like, a little what they thought was just like a robbery ring together. Like they may not have known the full extent of everything going yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I don't know where you got this, but I'm not going to ask questions kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, they could not do the searches that night. Apparently some terrible weather rolled in and stayed over the next few days. Mm. I also don't know if Colonel York ever got that dinner on that Friday night. Or if they canceled that dinner invitation. That's interesting. But over the next few nights, weather conditions basically put the town at a standstill. Mm. And it wasn't until three days later, so three days after this township meeting, that a local man named Billy Toll was driving his cattle past the Bender property. And he notices that the inn and the store looked completely abandoned. Hmm. And the animals seemed hungry and neglected and just roaming on their own oh oh boy again sadly the bad weather continued nobody seen the benders in these last few days it was another two to three days so now we're five or six days after the day of the town meeting before anybody Mm. could ever get into the bender home when the town finally got to the home to search it, the entire cabin was abandoned. Oh, snap. It was emptied of any food, clothing, or personal possessions. The only thing left behind was a disgusting, stale, sticky, irony smell. Oh, ew. Following the stench led them to a location underneath the bed in the back of the house. Oh, God. Where they found a trap door under the bed nailed shut good lord the company of men were eventually able to pry it open and underneath that trap door they found a cellar about six feet deep the floor just completely covered in coagulated blood ew oh like just stale stench awful Ugh. god now Whatever poor human had to search this. Yeah. No flesh and no bodies were found in that in that cellar. Oh my gosh, they were just bleeding them down they there. They were just bleeding them. Wow. And so it also like that makes it sound like they kind of built this cabin like this. with that in mind, like to do that. 
So they had a plan. This family knew what they were doing. And remember, so the Bender men only moved there in 1870. The women only moved there yeah. in 1871. And we're in March of 1873. Yeah, this is very, very fast. After finding nothing in the in the cellar, the men actually physically lifted the cabin. <laughs> Whoa, badass. moved the cabin to try to find the bodies. But there was nothing buried beneath the house. Mm. So, obviously, none of them are satisfied with this. Colonel York is yeah. pissed. Yeah. They continue to search all around. Remember, this is a 160-acre property. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. It's going to take a long time. You would think. But, well, riding through the property, it was apparently Colonel York himself that noticed a strange kind of dirt pile out in the orchards oh good gracious he's like that is raised and it's not planting season yeah he hollered to the other men who quickly began digging and that is when they found the body of dr york oh there was still enough flesh on him that colonel york his brother was able to identify him Wow, that's so sad. Yeah. Very Bell Gunness vibes. Such with the Bell he- Gunness he- vibes. Oh, Asla and Hegeline. That's it. Now, what's interesting is Dr. York was buried head down, feet up. Hmm. His feet were just barely covered. So he was that's buried weird. Like, vertically. So they... Weird. Yeah. Digging a hole like that would take a long time. Way longer than it would to just bury someone regularly, right? Yeah. So there had to be some kind of significance to Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And he was killed just like the other men that they had found in the creek and out in the woods. Skull bludgeoned. Mm. Throat slit. Wow. Now, the search closed for that night after finding Colonel York's body, but it began quickly the next morning. They went right back out to the fields and the orchards, where they would eventually uncover nine bodies with similar injuries and causes of death. Nine of them? Nine more bodies. So, nine, ten bodies in the orchard, Mm -hmm. one in the creek, and two in the field? Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. They also would find dismembered body parts that they were never able to identify. Wow. So we could be talking like upwards of potentially like 15 or more people. The The highest estimation I've seen is 24. Whoa. That's terrifying. That's ter- and again, they were there for less than two years. I just wonder where they were before. That's all of history is there with you. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like you don't wake up with like a hankering to build a murder in <laughs> without a little prior experience. Uh, I don't know. H.H. Holmes did. That's true. I don't know. Did That's he have true. prior experience? I don't know off the top of my head. I think he was like a sexual predator before he did everything with the hotel, but I could be wrong. Yeah, probably. But there was at least like something traceable with him. Mm-hmm. 
So the saddest thing about this, um, so flash forward about 30 seconds if you don't want to hear about babies. Um, Hmm. One man is found with his little daughter, not sure quite of the age, under the age of 10. They were buried together in one grave. It was suspected that the daughter, who had very few visible injuries or marks of violence, had been buried alive. Oh, God. So... As they're uncovering just body after body, one of the men christened the land Hell's Half Acre. Well, that's fitting. Now, I want to take a minute to identify at least the names of the men that we do know. Yeah, totally. Some of these are John Doe's, but we know the names of the missing people of Joe Sowers. We know Mr. Jones. We know Henry McKenzie. Ben Brown. W.F. McCrotty, George Launcher and his little girl, whose name we don't have, Mm. Johnny Boyle, Dr. William York, John Greary, and at least three unknown men and one unknown woman. Wow. So like I said, it's it's suspected that as many uh, as 21 to 24 murder victims were found in that short period of time. That is unbelievable. They must have been. I mean, I wonder like how many people were coming through the trail mm-hmm. at any given time, but that had to be a murder every couple of weeks. Yeah. It's not surprising that finally the town was like, we have to do something about this. Like, we cannot do this. Yeah. I mean, it's terrifying. So you may wonder what happened to the Bender family. Yes, I do wonder that. That's where you're going to get a lot of myths and just some legit Old West justice myths. Mm. As soon as the town discovered the scene, obviously accusations flew. Yeah. Mostly around the families that associated themselves with the Benders. Mm, One man named Brockman, who was a member of that Roach family. Mm -hmm. He was quickly grabbed and interrogated. He insisted that he knew nothing. And this is going to get a little squidgy. (sighs) Mm. So the town was so incensed that they grabbed Brockman, strung him up, and hanged him (gasps) until near death, cut him down, interrogated him, hanged him again, interrogated him, hanged him a third time. Until near death, and then after the third time was finally cut down and let to go home. Wow. Yeah. God, that's so inhumane. Jeez. Others who were found with stolen property belonging to these people, or even just who were suspicious, were basically ran out of town. Mm. We know that the Benders made their break for the railroad. They abandoned their wagon and their team of horses, um, was found starving just outside of the city limits, actually only 12 miles north of the inn. We hmm. knew it was their wagon, and we knew it was their team of horses because you remember how Pa misspelled the grocery store sign? Yeah. They had used yeah. that same sign to repair the wagon. Oh, so, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. So it was obviously very distinct. Very distinct. Yeah. Everybody knew what this was. They're like, oh, yep, that's them. 
Investigators were eventually able to confirm that the family bought tickets on the Galveston Railroad to head toward Humboldt, Kansas, Mm. where apparently John Jr. and Kate got off the train and headed south toward Texas. It's Hmm. largely believed that they traveled to an outlaw colony right on the border of Texas and New Mexico, and they were not pursued to the outlaw county. Interesting. Oh, I want to know more about the Outlaw oh, County. Don't we all? That sounds like a cool place. Yeah. Now, at one point, it was kind of semi-confirmed that um, John Jr. died of apoplexy, or what now we would just call a stroke or a brain hemorrhage. Mm. John Sr. and Elvira, however, would continue on to Kansas City, and it's believed to St. Louis. Hmm. Now, many, many groups of vigilantes were out hunting for the vendors. There were rewards out from the state, from the families. Rumors were that one group caught them and executed them all by shooting, except for Kate, who was burned alive as a witch. It's Mm -hmm. largely believed that that's just a myth. Yeah. Another group claimed that they caught and lynched the whole family and threw their bodies in the river. Again, myth. Yeah, not if they split up. Not if they split up. I mean, yeah. And from interviews with the train conductors, it's largely believed that they were seen on different trains. Mm. No one ever stepped forward to claim the very handsome reward offered by the state of Kansas. Hmm. Now, apparently, it wasn't uncommon at the time and for a long time afterward for any pair of two women traveling through Kansas to be accused of being Kate and Elvira. That's interesting, too. That must have been a pain in the butt for, like, any woman out there. <laughs> My God. You're just like, no, I swear it's no, not No, I'm just heavy set and raw boned. <laughs> yeah, don't let the raw bones fool you, homie. Like, I'm just trying to live. <laughs> in 1884, an elderly man matching pause description was arrested in Montana for hmm. murders where the victims were killed with a hammer blow to the head. Oh, Interesting. That's kind of compelling. Kind of compelling. But I also wonder, like, how distinct of a murder method is that? Especially in 1884. It's not. I mean, especially, yeah, like, when you've got a slightly more limited, like, repertoire of weapons back then. Not, like, hugely. Obviously, there's guns and stuff, but still. A message was sent to verify his identity, but nothing was ever actually matched. But you'll like this theory. This is a fun one. Yeah, let me have it. In 1889... Two women named Elmira Monroe and Sarah Eliza Davis were arrested in Niles, Michigan for larceny. What? What? Now, in like a comedic set of accusations, so these two women were caught together for larceny. They started accusing each other of being Ma and Kate Bender. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And like apparently they tried to like pursue like verifying their identities but it just got like, like I said, just comical and ridiculous. They both signed affidavits. Yeah. They both like denied the other one's accusations. That eventually the judge was like, just get out of my courtroom. Like, I'm done with you. I don't even want to mm. pursue this anymore. Yeah. Uh, even Laura Ingalls Wilder got up on this. Did she really? So apparently in an interview, Laura Ingalls Wilder claimed that Pa, um, <laughs> 
took part in the hunt for the benders, her pa, not pa bender. Ah, okay. Um, she claimed that pa Ingalls um, took part in the hunt for the benders and that he would hmm. tell the children this story and she would say, I'm going to try to do my Laura Ingalls Wilder voice. At such times, Pa always said in a strange tone of finality, they will never be found. They were never found, and later I formed my own conclusions why. <laughs> so she's basically saying that her Pa... Chased the wonders out of town. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Laura Ingalls Wilder. Yeah. Oh, okay. Most people don't believe this, mostly because we have the family records of her family that they had already left Kansas. They had been out of Kansas for two years before the Benders were even exposed. Oh, dang. So they had very, very little overlap with the Benders in the state. Yeah. I mean, every family has its little myths that they latch on to that are, like, obviously not true, but everyone believes it anyway. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Every family has them. Yeah. So I won't take that away from you, Laura Ingalls Wilder. No, you do you. You do you. So we can talk about the theories about who these people were. Because like you said, nobody just having to open and murder in. Yeah. So it's largely believed that the family part of the family wasn't quite a family. Yeah. <laughs> pa is the best records indicate, but still with no verified evidence. Mm-hmm. Suspect that he was actually a man named John Flickinger. Mm. Mm-hmm. born in either holland or germany some say that he would go on to die by suicide some say that ma and kate went on to murder him interesting because i don't know if they like separated at the train and then like brought back together i don't know mm. john jr so left at the home actually was a bible because you know sure, okay. a bible uh, a bible was found in the home with some personal notes written into it Mm. And the personal notes include uh, the year that he was born and the name John Gebhardt. Oh. So. Interesting. It's unclear if he was actually biologically related to them at all. Yeah. Or if he just kind of came in for the ride. Now, again, there are myths that he and Kate were married. Mm -hmm. The extent of those myths are that John and Kate would go on to become pregnant once mm. or possibly more and that whenever they would have the baby after it was born then they would just kill it uh, uh-huh. awful uh, awful yeah all of these people are basically just awful yeah they are awful so, terrible the women though are a little bit more interesting I don't know. Maybe just because we have more info on them. Mm. So Elvira was believed to have been born Elmira Mark or Elmira Meek Mm. in the Adirondack Mountains. Hmm. Pretty. Yeah. Very pretty. She had Mm. at least three husbands before John and believed to have as many as a dozen children. Oh, wow. Now, most reports seem to indicate that Kate actually was her daughter. So Mm. those two actually were related. That's so interesting. Now, Elvira is suspected of killing most or all of her husbands before John. Oh. Her first husband, Griffith, died suddenly, quote, of a bad place on his head resembling a dent. Oh, come on. Meat grinder. Yep. Yep. 
So maybe Elvira Dang. was also just built on this. The timelines don't line up, but wouldn't it be wild if it did? It's also rumored that she may have killed some of her children so that they couldn't testify against her. Ugh. Ugh. Kate was born Eliza Griffith. At some point, she had been married and went by the name Sarah Eliza Davis. Ah. Mm-hmm. So maybe those two women weren't crazy. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. not. And Griffith was the name of Elvira's first mm-hmm. husband. Yeah, okay. Now, she- Kate is really, really pinned as, like, the primary kind of person in these murders. Like, they were her Mm. thing. Mm. She seemed to get the most... And again, this is guessing, because nobody ever actually witnessed any of this. Yeah. But it's guessed that she seemed to enjoy it the most and dragged it out the most. She was the one Mm. kind of putting on these shows when the men would come in and really entertaining everyone. Um, she really seemed to kind of enjoy charming the men and getting their attention and then taking their lives. Well, that's terrible. That's kind of terrible. Also, she was a witch. Yeah. So, you know. Totes. Yeah. (laughs) But in truth, again, like many things, we have so little information and so many, many myths. Yeah. And they were potentially really lying about, like, pretty much Everything. everything. Like, how do we know that she was actually 23? How do we know that, you know... All these different things. How do we know who any of these people even are? Yeah, it could be like any combination of any of these theories. Mm -hmm. That's the wild part. Because it's not like the theories are necessarily like related to each other. No. Like we just have different names. And no common places other than who we think are actually a mother and daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's really interesting. I was struck when you were describing them in the beginning that John did not sound like he wasn't described to look like pa like he had auburn he had like fair features like mm-hmm. auburn hair yeah john jr pa and pa has dark didn't features seem to look at all alike yeah and that just would be kind of striking to me let me bring up the uh the photos for you do 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 so this is the bender family oh my <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah, so I don't know what you can tell under this. Uh, I mean, all of them are just sketches, which is annoying. But yeah, obviously, historically, that's what we had. I mean, Pa definitely looks like a gentleman with a lot of stories. <laughs> he looks like a moonshiner. He totally does. But they have like, they have so shaded his brow line that you can't really see. And he's got such a thick beard. He has the only feature he actually has is his nose. Yeah. And then you have two pits that eyes are in there somewhere. John Jr. is like very polished and clean looking mm-hmm. and like kind of fashiony, you know? Mm-hmm. That's interesting too. I think Kate and uh, Ma Bender are kind of drawn to look relatively similar. Their eye lines are similar. Like if the person making these sketches was working in like any semblance of real time yeah like their eye lines are similar Mm -hmm. their noses are kind of similar yeah i could definitely believe them as a mother and daughter but like john jr doesn't fit in at all i know he fits in with kate Mm -hmm. yeah kate and john really look like they fit and that's kind of how i wonder how did this like quote unquote family come together yeah they don't look like siblings no they don't look like siblings I think they kind of sold themselves as siblings because it was probably just easier. Yeah. 
And I wonder about like the spiritualist connection too. like if they were going to have more success, like selling themselves as a mystical family mm-hmm. or, or what, you know? Yeah, because I, I don't think they, I don't know if they actually believed any of the spiritualist stuff or if it was just a really convenient con. Mm. Although what you mentioned about how they buried the bodies does. It feels ritualistic to me. Yeah, but. it feels like there's something more there. Mm-hmm. Just because it's such an inconvenient way to do that, that there had to be a reason why they did it that way. Yeah, and the whole like, the kind of hyper staged, like if we believe those couple of survivor stories that are the same, like it's obviously like a very staged, almost scripted, like staid kind of method, yeah. which also I think speaks to a degree of ritualism too. Well, it's interesting to me that they bled all of them in the cellar. When you yeah. wouldn't necessarily have needed to do that if you were going to bury them anyway. And it's overkill. Like, you wouldn't need to do that after bashing somebody a couple of times in the head with a hammer. Yeah. So. Like, they were probably already dead. And you can say, like, okay, oh, they, yeah. they slit their throat just to be certain. But, I don't know, then drag them into the cellar and bleed them there? Like, from what it... Yeah, that's, a, that's very inconvenient to drag, like, mostly grown men into a cellar. Mm-hmm. To bleed them just in case. Like, you could also bleed them outside. Mm-hmm. There's something about the cellar. Yeah. There's something about the way they went about this that does feel a little extra. So maybe it wasn't just a con. Yeah. No, I think there's something else going on there. Mm. In my professional opinion. <laughs> in your profess- in your professional <laughs> true crime podcaster opinion. Exactly. Uh, so that's the story of the Benders. Wow. That was a romp, dude. <laughs> yikes ugly stuff yeah. ugly stuff isn't history just amazing history is fascinating so i yeah. hope you guys all learned a little bit of american history um totally and you learned the proud traditions of our homesteaders yeah think about that next time you plant a garden <laughs> i'll think about that as i turn my <laughs> uh what am i what did i do my compost <laughs> there you go <laughs> i'm like i could put bodies in here yeah, I mean, you're turning, you're like a pile of like deliberate rot. That's what that is. Yeah. So it's a good deliberate rot. I return earth to earth. Really interesting <laughs> and creepy. I knew like the moniker, the bloody benders, but I didn't really know the story. Yeah. So I learned a lot today. Yay, yeah. good. Hmm. Uh, Thank you for educating me about this particular corner of American history. Anytime, Kansas, you're fucked up. <laughs> weird kansas i, mean, I think what, what we've proven so far is that there's no state in the midwest that doesn't have some <laughs> some questions to answer uh, that's for sure that's for which sure which state do you fear the most after 33 episodes ohio yeah yeah no doubt ohio we haven't even dug into have- any of the big cases i want to cover in ohio I know. That's the crazy thing. Like, we've been doing a lot of Ohio cases, but not, like, aside from Sowell, not, like, the huge high-profile Ohio cases. Yeah. There's... I have a list that I'm, like, intentionally spreading out, because Ohio's fucked up. Mm. I think Ohio and Missouri. Missouri's a lot of land. Uh-huh. It's a lot of land. And a kind of a different, like, feel than any place else in the mid... I mean, I've been to every Midwest state. And Missouri feels different. I don't think I've been to, uh, yeah, I haven't been to Iowa, but I've been to all the rest. We should go. Yeah. Iowa fans, schedule us a tour. Yeah. What do we need to see in your beautiful state? Uh, What do we do next week? Where are we going next week? Are we going to Iowa? Are we going to Missouri? Next week, 
No, we're not going to either place. We are going back to Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, sorry, Get Ohio. Get out of my but, state. Uh, the hits just keep on coming. We are going to Ohio, and we are going to be hearing about a community where uh, crime and murder are exceptionally rare. The Amish. <gasps> We will be delving into a case of homicide amongst the Amish in Ohio. I'm really excited for this. So there you have it. Yay! Yeah. It's a good one. I can already feel it. All right. Kick ass. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready. So come back for that, Stop please. Stop bogarting my and state. I can't help it. It's not my fault that you guys are messed up. So uh, come back for that, please, especially uh, you Ohio people out there. And uh, keep hanging out with us on the socials at Midwretched Everywhere. We love hearing from you and talking to you and engaging with you. And we are glad, as always, that you're with us. Yay! Yay! All right. Should we sign off? My computer's about to die. Yeah, let's let's (laughs) probably do that then before we're forced to. Yeah. Okay, people. So uh, we heard about some terrible stuff today, but don't be terrible. Be nice. And eat cheese. Yeah. And We we love you. Bye. Bye. Sometime in early or mid March of (laughs) I wrote nineteen (laughs) eighty three. I don't know why. What if it was, though? (laughs) Um...